Amen, amen. Well, we're continuing our Christmas series called Behold, a Savior is Born. And last week I preached on the promised hope. Listen, if you're struggling with hopelessness or despair, you need to hear that message. You can go back online on our Facebook page, on YouTube, wherever, and, uh, and get it. Uh, because we talked about the story of Simeon and Anna who were waiting on the Messiah in the temple. They were waiting. They were about the only people in the story who were not surprised by the arrival of, of Jesus Christ. The Savior they had hoped for all their lives. And we saw how they had clung to the promises of God with hope, even though it took a long time for it to happen. They still hung on with hope. That's because we saw they based their hope on the character and promises of God. We taught you last week that if you lose hope, that, that your faith is, you have misplaced faith. And most of the times, people have faith in an outcome. They're believing for an outcome. They're believing for something to happen. But, but I showed you, the word the Lord gave me last week was, was that before we hope for something, we must hope in someone, and that's Jesus Christ. Before we believe for something, we must believe in someone, and that's Jesus Christ. Before we seek for something, we must seek someone, and that's Jesus Christ. He is our hope. He is the only place to place our faith. In fact, Jesus said in John 14, 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Some of y'all need to hear that. I'm not preaching on that today, but, but letting your heart be troubled implies that, there's, that you can control what's going on. You can allow yourself to go with the trouble or you can, uh, or you can choose to go in faith and, and have trust in him. Jesus said, here's how you do it. Trust in God, trust also in me, trust also in Jesus. Don't just trust in something to happen. Trust in the Lord. Trust in God at all times. Let your hope, your joy, your peace be in him. Everything else will fail you. Jesus never fails. We just sang it. Now, I was thinking about this, and I thought of a, a, a person in the Psalms who had lost their hope and lost their joy and were actually despairing. It's found in Psalm 42, 4 through 6. It says, by the way, you can turn in your Bibles, but we'll always have the scriptures on the screen. My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowd of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy, giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. There's nothing like being in the house of God with the people of God, worshiping God. There's nothing like it. And I know since COVID, there's a lot of people who got away from church. There's a lot of people who just watched online, but I'm telling you, there's nothing like being in the procession of people go entering into the presence of God, coming into the house of the Lord with joy, with thanksgiving, with singing, encouraging one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs being built up in your faith. It's a powerful thing. And this person was remembering when they used to go to church. When they used to be in praise, when they used to be with celebrating God and with the saints of God in the house of God, and they went on to say, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. 
This is someone who lost their anticipation of being in God's presence. They lost the joy of praise. They, they, they lost their hope. Uh, and the remedy was to, to place your hope in God and to praise him again. Now, I'm preaching today on the joy of anticipation. See, we usually think of joy as the fulfillment I can have joy when my promise is fulfilled. I can have joy when I open up the the Christmas present. But can you have joy in anticipation? The Christmas time should fill us with joy as we anticipate and celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I remember vividly as a child anticipating the opening of Christmas presents. And they would be under the tree and they'd be wrapped and you'd be looking at them, picking them up, seeing how heavy they were, shaking them, all that kind of stuff. And constantly begging our parents, can we open just one, just one? And my parents were very consistent, always saying no. Some of y'all need to teach your kids how to take a no. If you don't teach them, it's going to be tough on them. Some of y'all need to teach your kids how to wait on something, and this is the way you do it. Christmas time, no, you're not opening that gift. They need to learn to wait. We had to wait on their timing. Just like we now as adults, we know we have to wait on God's timing. But even so, I had joy in the anticipation knowing that the waiting would eventually pay off and there would be a gift. And while we're waiting on God, we must wait in hope. We must wait trusting in his goodness, trusting in his sovereignty, trusting in his promises. We must wait in joy. Don't postpone your joy. Why are you putting off joy until you open the present? Why are you putting off joy until the fulfillment of the promise? Why can't you enter into the joy of anticipating what God is going to do? That's because some of you are not anticipating what God is going to do. You're expecting the worst or you're expecting nothing or you don't want to get your hopes up so you don't get disappointed, so you keep your expectations low. And when you keep your expectations low, that means you keep your faith low, you keep your hope low, you keep your prayers low, and you end up with low answers. I'm trying to help you. Now, most of the people in the Christmas story were, were marked with some kind of joy in the story and somewhere in the process. You think there would be despair after hundreds of years of waiting and anticipation, but just knowing what the arrival of Jesus would mean for them and for others filled them with excitement and joy. That's because, here's the first thing I want you to see, joy can be found in what will be, not in just what is. The Christmas story tells us of a woman named Elizabeth who was pregnant under miraculous circumstances. Don't have time to get into the whole story. This is John the Baptist's mother. She was a cousin of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary went to visit Elizabeth when they were both pregnant. And their interaction really shows us joy in a a unique way. It's found in Luke 1, 39 through 45 that says, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zachariah's home, that's John the Baptist's father, Elizabeth's husband, and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
You know, I haven't studied this out, but she may be the first one in the New Testament that it says was filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not, that's not gospel fact. I haven't studied that out. It just hit me. You know, because this is right at the beginning of the New Testament of the story. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? This was Mary. This was her cousin. She had known her her whole life. She had never, ever called her mother of my Lord before. But when that baby jumped for joy, she got filled with the Holy Ghost. She got a revelation of, of, of this baby that was in Mary's womb. And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. You are blessed because you believe. Listen, you are blessed. Talking to Mary, you are blessed because you believe. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. You want a key to blessing in your life? Believe that God will do what he said. And when Mary arrived in Elizabeth's home, the, the baby inside her leaped for joy. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the text tells us that the reason for Elizabeth and her babies, John the Baptist's joy, the reason for their joyful response was that Mary was carrying the Lord Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Lord of all, inside her womb. Just the presence of Jesus being close. He wasn't even out of the womb yet. Just his presence being close had a powerful effect on everyone present in that room. That's why we put so much emphasis on the manifest presence of God in our church services. And we should do the same thing in our homes and in our lives. Because when Jesus shows up, things happen. People leap for joy. People get filled with the Holy Ghost. People get saved. People get healed. People get set free. People are filled with faith and joy and peace and, ex and anticipation. And marriages are healed and families are restored. And, and grieving people are comforted. Things happen in the presence of God. Elizabeth praised Mary for her belief in God. And her willingness to submit to the plan of God that would be birthed through her. And, and I want you to think about this. At this point, Jesus was still an unborn baby in the womb. They had obviously not seen him do anything yet. What were they so excited about? I, I think we can learn something here. What if we can experience joy in our lives today because of how things are now not just because of how things are now, but because there's something in the womb. There's something that's not birthed yet, but it's in process. And in the future, there will be a fulfillment of, process, of that process. Why do we always look at just what is instead of what can be with the intervention of God? And Elizabeth and her unborn child were rejoicing. The baby was rejoicing. You get that, don't you? Just coming into the same room with Jesus. They didn't need no cheerleader, didn't need nobody to pump them up, didn't need anything. I mean, it was the presence of God. And they were rejoicing with what was going to be the result of the long-awaited birth of the Messiah, 
Jesus Christ. And notice what Elizabeth says to Mary in verse 45. You're blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Mary was blessed because she trusted in God, because she believed in something that had not yet happened. It was, it was still a promise. And listen, you will be blessed if you believe the word of God. You will be blessed if you trust God with your future. Sometimes just anticipating God showing up can fill us with, with joy, can lift our spirits. But some people seem to have a way of always going in the opposite direction, the opposite way of faith and hope and joy. I remember when I was a kid, I saw this show. It's a classic show now, Charlie Brown Christmas. And Charlie Brown was having trouble getting into the, into the Christmas spirit because he had this sad little Christmas tree. And he was upset over the over-commercialization of, of the season. So his friend, Linus, said, Charlie Brown, you're the only person I know who can take a wonderful season like Christmas and turn it into a problem. Now look straight at me right now and do not swivel your head and look anywhere in this auditorium. But there are people. There are people. Not here in this room. There are people who have the same problem, who can take any situation and find bad in it. Find the problem with it. They got blessed with something. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, uh, there's always something. It just, it, yeah, just wasn't quite what I expected. Y'all know somebody like that? Not here, of course. Y'all know somebody like that, though. I mean, they're just walking under a dark cloud. And listen, we, we should be celebrating the birth of Christ. And we should celebrate what his birth and death and resurrection mean in our lives rather than anticipating all the things that could possibly go wrong. And we can, listen, you can always find a reason to be down or gloomy or upset if you look for it, but you can also find joy in God's presence if you look for that. What are you looking for? Maybe you're still waiting on God to do something in your life. You're anticipating an answer to prayer. Uh, here's the truth. God's not done yet. God's not finished yet. God's always on the move. And where there was faith, we see in this story, anything is possible with God. And just like the presence of Jesus in Mary, when she came near to Elizabeth and brought forth joy, his presence in our lives can do the same thing for us. We've got to look unto Jesus, keep our eyes fixed on him. Second thing I want you to see is that good news brings great joy. Good news brings great joy. Now, another set of characters in this story are, the Christmas story are the shepherds. And they were a class of people that in Bible times in those times were not well thought of in that first century Jewish culture. They lived out in the fields uh, watching sheep and they were smelly and dirty and they, they weren't considered trustworthy. And because of that, it's fascinating to me that, that God chose to give the message of the birth of Christ to those shepherds first. But he did. Luke 2, 8 through 16 says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not! 
For behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on the earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said, to one another. Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with, went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. The angels told the shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy. Now in our lives, we've all received news that has either brought us joy or sadness a phone call, an email, a text. In the old days, we got letters. <laughs> but think of the joy you received, the, the news that you got that job, the, the news you got that promotion you've been looking for. Think of the joy you got when you got news from the doctor that the test shows you have no cancer. Think of the, the, the joy you got when you got the news from the university. We, have, we are accepting you into, into our program. Think of the joy you get when, when you get the news that, that a baby's on the way. All of that, compale, that, that pales in comparison to the joy the angel of the Lord brought to those shepherds. It was great. Great joy, but that was a result of good news. What made the message of the angel such good news? The Greek word here for good news is a word we pronounce evangelize or evangelism. It means to announce good news, to tell somebody good news, specifically the good news of salvation through the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 11 said, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The name Christ means anointed one. It's the Messiah that they had been waiting on, the anointed Messiah who is the Lord. So in this, this one sentence, this one sentence announcement, the angel says Jesus is the Savior, came to save the world. Jesus is the Messiah that you've been waiting on. Jesus is the Lord of all. He's the one you've been waiting on for centuries. The one who can save you from your sins and deliver you from your bondage. But they didn't understand that this baby was born to die for them. They expected him to deliver them from the captivity of Romans rather than from the slavery to their sin. They expected him to set up a kingdom on earth rather than bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. They did not understand that the good news meant Jesus would die on a cross to save all of us from our sins. And, and on that cross, he would also defeat and disarm our enemy, Satan. That's good news. And that good news, when you understand it, when you believe it, when you receive it, it brings great no news. And that good news is for all people. The word people there, laos, it, it means people. It means people groups. It means tribes. It means nations. And notice in, this, in the Christmas story, it's good news to the lowly shepherds and it was good news to the lofty wise men. I think God did that on purpose to show this is for everyone, everywhere, at all time. And the fact that this good news is for all people. And remember, if you study the word all in the Greek, it means all. 
without exception. The news of the salvation of Jesus Christ is for all people. And that fact shows us that he is the way of salvation and there's not other ways of salvation. This is for all people. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13 through 14, this is the New Living Translation, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. What's the narrow gate he's talking about? Well, he tells us in John 10, 9, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. It's narrow. It's Jesus, and it's Jesus only. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, not a way, not one of many ways, not an option among other options. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one, can you say no one? No one comes to the Father except through me. You see a pattern here in these scriptures. Jesus is the only way of salvation. Now, I know it's popular today to believe there's many ways of salvation, but Jesus said there's only one. He said, I am the only gate. There is no other gate. I know uh, it's popular to believe that there's a way for Christians and another way for Jews and another way for Muslims and another way for Hindus and another way for Buddhists and another way for every other religion and another way for people who just want to make up what they want to believe. Listen, you can't get to God by going around Jesus. He said, Jesus said, go back and read it. He says, those that try that are a thief and a robber. It's always amazing to me that people have a problem with this. They think this is bad news. Now, wait a minute. The king, God, the sovereign Lord who created us all, loved us all so much that he made a way of salvation. I love you. You're all sinners. You're all lost in your sin. You're all going to die. You're all bound for eternal hell. But guess what? I'm going to send my son to die in your place, and his sacrifice is going to pay the price, the ransom. He's going to renew. He's going to give you salvation, and you, he who knew no sin will become sin so that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ, and I am giving you a way, uh, and the way of salvation. I am here to save you. It's like a, you're, you're in, a, in a sea drowning and somebody throws you a, 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 what do they call those things? A life? Lifesaver. The ring. And you're like, uh, I don't like that one. Could you toss me another one? Man, I'm going to let you go down three times, dude. So many people think there ought to be many ways to God. They ought to be able to choose their own way or make their own way. Do you know that's the essence of sin? You can read it in Isaiah 53 where it says, all of we like sheep have gone astray. We've all gone our own way. Yet the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. We all want to go our own way, but God says, no, here is the way. And people think it's narrow-minded. It's so narrow-minded to believe that Jesus is the only way. Well, it's a narrow gate. So, yeah, it's a, you can call it narrow-minded. I don't. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. Suppose I discovered the cure for cancer. 
I didn't say I cure, a cure. I said the cure. I found something that would cure all cancer. It's the only cure. Everybody who takes this cure will be healed 100%. Would people say I was narrow-minded because there was only one cure? I don't think so. Now, suppose that cure involved you had to get a shot of medicine. And suppose someone came to me and said, I want to be cured of my cancer. And I, sure. I say, sure, let me give you a shot and you'll be healed. Man, I have a thing about shots. I don't like shots. I, I, no way. I, I'd rather take a pill. Sorry. Don't have a pill. It's only a shot. Well, you got some kind of liquid maybe I could drink down, you know. No, no liquid, only a shot. Well, you got a cream I could rub on my skin. No. There's only one cure. If you want to be healed, you must take this shot. Take it or leave it. I urge you to take it. Do you think people would turn that down? No. Do you think people would be upset because there was only one cure for cancer? No. The whole world will be rejoicing over that cure. They would not be upset there was only, that there's only one cure. They would not care that they have to take a shot. They would all get in line to take that shot. But Jesus, God has done something infinitely greater than curing cancer. He has sent us his son as a cure for our sin problem. He has given us the way to escape hell. He has given us the way to eternal life. And people have the nerve to say, I don't like that cure. I want another one. I want a different one. And God says, Jesus is the only way. Take it or leave it. But I urge you to take it. And when you believe the good news of salvation through the cross of Jesus Christ, you will find great joy. And that word great there in the Greek is literally mega. You will find mega joy, an abundance of joy. 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9 says, you love him though you have not seen him. And though not seeing him now, you believe in him and rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's good news. And that results in great joy. <laughs> Lastly, I want you to see that there's joy on the other side. On the other side of what? Whatever you're going through. There's joy on the other side. Listen, the birth of Jesus Christ was only the beginning of what the Savior came to do. And Christmas actually only makes sense when you understand that the season of Easter is to come because you understand why he came to earth. And it, become clear, it becomes clear that Jesus was born into the world so he might die on a cross for our sins. And he went through immeasurable pain on that cross. It must have been terrible. But the Bible says even in the middle of it, he had joy. Why? Because he knew what was on the other side. He's the greatest example. Jesus is the greatest example of joy in the midst of pain. The greatest example. Why did he leave the throne? Why did he leave heaven to become a baby and come from a place where there's no pain and no tears to become a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief? He did it to fulfill the will of his father. He did it to purchase our salvation. But do you know he also did it for joy? Hebrews 12, 2 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus suffered the pain and the humiliation of the cross for the joy that was ahead of him. What was the joy on the other side of the cross, on the other side of the pain and suffering? Part of it was sitting down at the right hand of God in heaven. But a big part of that joy was that he made a way for many people to be saved, to become a part of his family, and to be with him forever. I quoted Isaiah 53 earlier, 
about all of us going astray. All of us. And, but in verses 10 and 11, the prophet tells us this. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. This is a messianic prophecy about the crucifixion. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, the spiritual offspring. This is the amplified version. He will justify many, for he will bear their iniquities. Jesus endured the pain of cross for the joy of seeing his spiritual family. That's us, for the joy of bringing many people to heaven with him. Think about this. Elizabeth and the baby inside of her celebrated with joy because the good news that Jesus would save the world. The shepherds were given good news that would bring great joy to all the world. Jesus endured the cross because of the joy on the other side of it. And one of the reasons we entered into this Christmas season with, with joy is because we know no matter what we're going through now, no matter what we're experiencing now, no matter what we're feeling now, because of the good news of Jesus Christ, we can look forward to joy in the future. We can. And I want to remind you this, joy is different than happiness. The root of the word happy and the root of the word happen are the same, the word hap. Happiness is based on what happens. Joy is much greater than that. Joy is based on God. Joy is based on receiving his salvation and having faith in him and knowing that he works all things out for our good and knowing that when, when everything is over, we will still be Him with him in eternity. So this Christmas, I want to challenge you to make an effort to celebrate with joy because of why, what Jesus has done for you and because of what God will, for, will do for you. No matter what is going on in your life today, choose joy. You do that by having faith in the fact that whatever you need, the good news is that Jesus is the answer to that need. God meets all needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Whatever the question is, the good news is Jesus is the answer. Whatever the problem is, the good news is that Jesus has a solution. This is good news. Listen, to the lost, the good news means Jesus will save you. To the sick, the good news is that Jesus will heal you. To the addicted, the good news is Jesus will set you free. To the depressed, the good news is that Jesus Jesus will give you joy. To the anxious, the good news is Jesus will give you peace. To the confused, the good news is Jesus will give you wisdom. To the hopeless, the good news is that Jesus will give you hope. Is anybody hearing me? Is my mic go off? Just check him. To the grieving, the good news is that Jesus comforts everyone who mourns. He gives beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He rebuilds the ruins and the desolations of generations. That's good news. So it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from, what you've been, where you've been or what you've done. Christmas is good news of great joy for you. Where, whoever you are, the good news is God loves you. Wherever you are, the good news is God sent his son for you. Where, whatever you're going through, Jesus can get you through it. And however you're feeling, Christmas is a time to rejoice in the Lord. Can you stand to your feet? and rejoice in Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to earth. Thank you, Lord, for dying for our sins. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for the joy of the Lord. Amen. Listen, if, you've, if you don't have any strength, there's a good chance you've lost your joy. It's the joy of the Lord, your strength. 
want to ask our prayer team to come down. And if you've lost your joy, and you would, the joy of your salvation, the Bible says pray that we will be restored into the joy of your salvation. If you don't know Jesus, you've never been born again, today's a day of salvation. If you've never been filled with the Spirit, today's a day to get filled with the Spirit. If you need healing, a miracle, financial provision, whatever you need, God wants to meet your need. Thank you for being here. See you Wednesday night for our small groups. We're going to sing one more song, and we'll be dismissed. Love you.